When I graduated high school in 1988, my idea of college was equal parts Animal House, The Revenge of the Nerds, and The Sure Thing. So if you were going to cast the part of my freshman roommate, you couldn't have found a better person than Norm Bowman. Uh, he had it all. A spray-painted Dodge Dart, an anti-establishment attitude, and best of all, he was old enough to buy booze. It's not surprising he was kind of the nucleus of my circle of friends. These days he still has an anti-establishment streak, but he's mellowed a bit. He's got a lovely family in the Dallas suburbs. He has a lot to say. We cover the similarities between coffee and condoms, his atheism, his signature style of photographing himself on abandoned furniture, and more. I'm Dave Austin, and who are these people? Say something. Uh, do you have the... Can you hear me? Yeah, and I'm rolling. Did you, have, did you make sure that... Oh, okay. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. A lot exactly. of sci-fi ideas are becoming real now. Yeah. It's like Barbarella's tongue box. Yellow. Yeah. Yellow. It is therapeutic. The last generation to be raised without the internet. Yeah. The first generation to jump into the internet. What, what does it mean? Like, did it really even happen? Okay, hello. Hey, Norm. Hi, how are you, sir? Hey, that's good. Hey, I'm rolling it and I can hear you and it's recording and everything. All right, great. Outstanding. Yes. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, seasonal allergies are killing, but, you know, aside from that, everything's fine. How are you, sir? You said seasonal allergies are killing? Yes. Because it, it seemed almost like you said, I'm seeing a lot of Jesus killing, which... Um, could also could be something possibly, you might say. Yeah, that would be in my in my verbiage. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it is just seasonal allergy. So if you hear okay. me like sniff a lot, it's, it's, I apologize. I do have some tissues here to my left. So hopefully we're gonna okay. Well, cool. All right. Well, listen. There's probably gonna be some weird noise on my side too. I'm like I said, they're doing renovations in the building, so. Right. At any time, things could get really loud, but for now, it's kind of quiet, so let's let's get started. Okay, then. Uh, so, thanks uh, for joining me, Norm. Um, <laughs> I know you have a lot to talk about. I know you have a lot of opinions. Um, we're going to get to all that. I know very well when we first met, and we'll get there. Okay. But, um, let, me, let me find out more. So, what, what's your family's connection to Burke Burnett? Why were you well, out there? My dad was stationed at Shepherd Air Force Base. I'm an I'm a Air Force brat. And okay. he was about to get stationed to Fort Worth, which I was all excited about because it's an actually, mm -hmm. you know, an actual city. But then he yeah. decided to retire. He's 27 years in. He's done with it. And he settled in Burt Burnett. That's where he decided he wanted to retire. Okay. And yeah, what... Why did he choose Burke Burnett of all places? I don't know. I really don't know. Good golf courses, possibly. Maybe that's mm -hmm. why. Uh, uh, avid golfer. Um, I really don't know why he chose there. Did you like Burke Burnett growing up? When I was there, no. Okay. Um, I did. I, I found it very boring. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of, and I, I don't mean to sound pretentious. But there wasn't a whole lot of mental simulation for that town. Mm -hmm. So the destructive side of me came out. 
Um, uh-huh. Okay. I, I wasn't academically challenged. You know, as long as I made a C, I was fine. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. didn't really care. Well, okay. Tell me more about the destructive side. What was your destructive side well, that just, came out? No, just really didn't have much uh, ambition. You know, all my mm-hmm. friends they wanted to do it to life either junior year and my end game was pretty much just to have fun. Um, mm-hmm. I looked at college more of a social setting, high school yeah. more of a social setting, you know, anything just to be out and about and be, be social. That's kind of what I, 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 I didn't really anticipate living past 30, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. Which you know, most, most white American males are like that. You know, they, they had that mythology well, of, you know, live fast, die young, leave a good looking corpse. Yeah. Then you hit 31 and you're like, oh, shit, I got to get my life together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's basically it. I mean, it, I bounced around from schools to schools to schools, not due to academic probation or anything. It's just I traveled around a lot. But because I, <laughs> I mean, I met you in college, of course. We were, you were my roommate for my freshman year of college. Uh, and, but I'm still trying to get a hold of what you were doing before I met you. You're a little bit older than me. What year were you born? I'm I'm much older than you. I was born in 1966. 1966. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so you and I think of you as one of the very very first Gen Xers um, of the world. Um, were you Were you angry as a young man? Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, very much so. Okay. I, yeah, that's what I thought. So tell me why. Tell me more about <laughs> that. Um. It just everything I saw that I like. Jesus, that's a broad question. Um, why was I an angry youth? Um, I was always kind of politically minded, I guess, growing up, mm-hmm. watching things. On. So my dad was very much into the news. Um, that was our daily. I mean, we would eat dinner, then immediately go watch the news. Um, right. And he, believe it or not, was very opinionated, um, to which I where I got my, you know. Yeah. My, my side from, but um, he just would point out things to me constantly and just, you know, lack of better terms, just start screaming obscenities at the television. Um, uh-huh. He was very similar. I don't know if you ever saw Moscow on the Hudson. Not that I remember. It was a Robin Williams movie, um, but there was mm-hmm. a scene where the grandfather would sit there and yell at the television. Uh, the Russian grandfather would sit there and yell at the television, predicting what the news reporter would say because uh-huh. it, was all, well, it was all crap. Yeah. That was kind of like my dad. He would he would just spout out, I mean, just violently at the television as he watched the news. So that became but, kind of like a sports uh-huh. for me. So that kind of jaded me in okay. that area. Was your dad uh, conservative or liberal or just all over the place? You know, I would say strongly middle of the road. Um, mm-hmm. I always kind of thought he was a conservative growing up just because he was trying to teach me morals and, and you know, keep me in line and stuff like that. So I saw that as, you know, he's he's a hard-ass conservative, right? But as I got older and kind of saw his his influence on me as well as just him as a person, he was pretty much probably left-leaning, moderate, um, yeah, almost libertarian, if you will. He kind of had the attitude of, uh, you know, if it's not directly affecting me, I don't care. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, he just cynical but happy. Is that is that a way, is that possible? Okay, he was cynical and happy, cynical but happy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he, he always um, be in a good mood, but he was very cynical about everything. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I can. Gee, where did you get that from? I now I know. know. Okay. I think I'm adopted. So. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how about your mom? She was. She was um, a nice lady. She very, mm-hmm. She's very nice. Um, she was kind of. Are your parents still around? No, they both passed away a few years back. Um, okay. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah. 2011 and 2013, I believe. Okay. But they were much older, much, much older. I mean, they were, they were, I was, I was a mistake, basically. Um, okay. I, I have a, a much older sister. I think she's like 14 or 16 years older than me. And then my brother's like 12 years older than me. So they were pretty much out of the house or when you were a kid, they were yeah, like. Yeah, the last time I remember living with either one, um, I was kindergarten when my sister bolted. And then I think I was third grade when my brother bolted. Mm-hmm. So I was basically an only child, if you really think about it. Okay, so being an uh, only child in a place with not much mental stimulation, and uh, what are some of the things that you did? Like, were you considered a uh, class clown or a bad boy or a? I was. I, I don't know if class clown as much as the class comedian. Okay. You know, the clown was always the one that did the stupid shit. Mm-hmm. The comedian was the one that set the guy up to do the stupid shit. Okay. Um, I, 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 I would do anything for a laugh, basically, but I wouldn't humiliate myself for one. Okay, right. So that, that's, what my, that's what my friend Jason was for. Okay, great. How's <laughs> Jason these days? I think he is actually a drug addict now. So. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't really much else to do in which cell phones. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing to me how many friends I had from high school that never left that that area, ended up in mm-hmm. going down that road. You know what I mean? Um, fresh out of high school, pregnancies to you know drug addiction. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was, it was good that I got out when I did, and you know, I was, like I said, I was always angry with my dad that we didn't go to Fort Worth. Yeah. But at, after moving to the city. The, the big D, um, mm-hmm. and experiencing some people that lived in Fort Worth. I'm kind of glad I grew up in a small town because I'd probably be incarcerated. So, you think you would have started uh, running with the wrong crowd or something oh, if you'd been def- in Fort Worth? Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, I can't really say for sure, but you know, I just it, it to me growing up, you know, doing the doing not evil things, but just doing, you know. Not normal things just seem more appealing, you know. Yeah. And my my son's in the other room, so I don't want to speak too loud about my my indiscretions. Uh huh. Okay, <laughs> sure. And I guess I told him. Yeah. Well, but I wanted I want to hear about the indiscretions. Okay. <laughs> well, we can we. Okay, go it's, ahead. It's small town. I mean, there's not a whole lot of indiscretions you can do. You know, I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. um. To, to, to grow up in a in this small town that I that I grew up in, I mean it was just basically I wouldn't even have to sneak out at night. That's how pretty much open my parents were about. It. Now in retrospect, you know, probably not the brightest thing to let my my thirteen fourteen year old son troll the streets, you know, at three or four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. But those were different times, Dave. Those were different yeah. times. Different uh, times, right? Or maybe but like my, were you out shooting shooting. Uh, Stop signs and stuff like that, hitting you know, I, ma- I, I, mailboxes or what? The only time I uh, shot a gun was with my with my dad. My dad was a huge gun collector. 
Uh-huh. And he would take me down to the Red River and we'd shoot cans. So if we ever got invaded by Russian cans or, or communist cans or anything, yeah, mm-hmm. guy, I'm the guy to call. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if it was actually human beings, I don't know. I don't know what I could do, but I I, I could kill a can, no questions. Um, Got it. No, I never shot a stop sign. We did. We used to steal signs mm-hmm. that, that carried over into college. Um, right. We used to, we used to steal stop signs, yield signs. Uh, cow crossing signs. Um, right. We'd sell them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> make a little extra money. Uh, there, there was there was days of uh, just driving endlessly um, on yeah on herbal remedies on empty, <laughs> uh, on empty roads. Yeah, and um, uh, underage drinking. Any? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, probably starting in middle school. Um, middle school. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember one experience I had was uh, my my first real experience with with alcohol was uh, from my father. I was okay. probably fourth grade, and it was mm-hmm. kind of like a Griswold moment, you know, where he hands you a beer and you know blah blah blah. And what he did was he he gave me a beer and a cigarette, okay. and he said, "When you get older, you're you're going to be you know people going to have you people going." Try to talk to you into trying these. I want to let you know now. This is, this is what it tastes like. It's what it's like. So you have the experience. So you don't have to go behind my back and do it. And the thing was, I drank the entire beer without an issue and smoked the entire cigarette. I think mm-hmm. I was afraid. And he just kind of looked and just was like, "Oh fuck." So <laughs> he messed up with that, with that <laughs> parenting. He got in there that okay. Well, all right. We're gonna have an alcoholic smoker on our hands. So and you're. Uh, um, you were how old? You say about 14 or something fifth, like that? Fifth grade. Fifth grade when he did that. Fifth grade. Oh, so like 10. Okay, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was okay when he was actually drunk. My dad used to drink a lot. And I think it was he actually came home from the golf course. And he was he was kind of lit. So we were having a father-son moment. Well, yeah, I can totally see why uh, he would try that. Um, and I think it's a like common parenting thing in the older older days. Like my grandmother told me that her father, so my great grandfather, um, when she was about sixteen, actually let had a cocktail party for her and her friends, wow. so they could f- feel what it was like to be drunk and not again not have to go out and try and sneak around and do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was kind of his mentality, you know. If you're gonna do this, do this at home. Yeah. Um, and when it got to the point where I was drinking most of his Jack Daniels, then he started getting a little pissed. Yeah. Um, he would he would come home and one, they went out of town one time um, mm-hmm. and my friend Wally and I pretty much killed my dad's liquor cabinet that weekend uh-huh. and I was panicking because usually the guy and then there was an older guy in the neighborhood that I would pay money for him to go buy me alcohol to to replenish uh-huh. my dad's stock. Oh, well, okay. Guy, so you had a plan. I was yeah. Oh yeah. I always had a backup plan for that, right? Yeah. Well, the guy wasn't there. He, we couldn't uh-huh. find him anyway. This is like way pre-cell phones, pagers, all that. Right. Um, and left several messages at his house. He never returned the call. Well, my parents were coming home Sunday, so I made iced tea and poured it in his Jack Daniels bottle, and I filled up all his vodka bottles with water. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thinking if I could just, you know, if he could just see it, you know, and then I can get a hold of this guy, he can give me the stuff, and I can replenish it, everything will be cool. Right. right? No. Yeah. Dad gets home and pours himself a big old Jack, you know, whiskey sour, and uh-huh. 
Yeah, that was that was good times. He didn't. He laughed later, <laughs> but yeah. uh, at the time he was uh, quite uh, irate. Um, well, yeah, I'm sure he was looking forward to that Jack Daniels all the way home. You know, he's probably like, yeah, oh, "I'm going to get home and then I'm going to relax." And in fact, I, drank I know it, I've got to get all. What? I don't think he was angry at the fact that I drank it as much as he was the fact that I drank it all. Yeah, right. You <laughs> didn't even leave him any. Wreck. Uh, so, um, so that was yeah, yeah. I mean, my parents were pretty. I'm not gonna say liberal, but easygoing on things like that. And you're sober now, is that right? Yes, sir. I am. I am 16, about 17 years sober. So you, no, when six, did you stop drinking in in two thousand one? When I found out I was going to be a dad. Okay. All right. How nice. I grew up with an alcoholic father who he was mostly a fun drunk, mm-hmm. but he did have his violent side when he would drink sometimes and short temper. So I didn't want to be that. I noticed that when I would drink, I, I just couldn't stop drinking. You know, I would right. have to drink until I passed out, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be passed out. And something happened with my daughter, and I can't get up to help. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I just took whatever alcohol I had and 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 gave it away, and then the rest of it I just dumped down the sink and haven't had it since. Wow. No, no twelve-step plan or any kind of thing. You just. Uh... No, it was actually, you know, once I made my mind up, I mean, because I had tried to stop before, because I knew I had an issue. I mean, every night was a 12-pack, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I had a problem, but didn't really have the responsibility, you know? Right. My responsibility was me. So, you know, just I decided, okay, this is what I have to do, not what I'm going to do, I have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be a positive, you know, positive influence in this person's life, I'm going to have to keep sober. Because I would, I became quite the uh, quite the asshole alcoholic. Oh, did you? Okay. Well, okay, maybe I was before. <laughs> it was it was more. Apparent. That's not what I meant. <laughs> it's more apparent to me later. Uh huh. Oh, I'm I sure. I was. I'm sure I was. And I, I was in college. I was probably drinking a lot more than people even thought. So. Okay. Well, let's get to that. Let's get to the college years because that's where it all began. Between me and you, okay. so uh, 1988 is when I graduated high school, and I ended up deciding to go to Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls. So I'm just what I'm trying to get to is that moment when they finally assign me a room, and I walk in, and I've got this image of you that it's probably an amalgamation of all the times that that I walked in, but like I, in my memory, I. The scene is I walk in and you're there on your bed in the corner with no sheets, you know, no bottom sheet, just the just the plain mattress and like some sort of ratty uh, uh, blanket over you. And the room is a complete mess, uh, stuff all over the place. And uh, and it's like this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And then. <laughs> And then it was just kind of a whirlwind I, from there. I believe you have to mistake with someone else, sir. I was quite the anal retentive roommate. I, uh, yeah, that's that's totally. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I owned a pair of sheets for the bed. To be honest with you, 
I think that's the one thing I forgot right. to pack. Yeah, uh, and you didn't care. You just thought. In Boston State. Yeah, and you just thought that that was. Put her bed bugs away. And uh, I remember you telling me that you were on double secret probation. That was one of the first things you told me. Uh, so what was the double secret probation? Oh, I, I think my, my uh, not attending courses kind of put me in jeopardy of being ejected from the school. Right. Well, you, you made it sound a lot more serious than, than that, that like technically on paper you had been rejected or ejected, but somehow you were still there and like you kind of were on thin ice in that at any moment you could get expelled. Yeah, it was, it was, um, I think it was my art teacher that contacted whomever they needed to contact to give me one more shot. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And were you, were you going to classes at all then? I would attend a few courses, sure. Um, uh, I was really into um, uh, world history. I liked that class. Mm-hmm. I would go on a regular basis. Um, yep. I liked my um, sociology teacher and mm-hmm. my psychology teacher, so I would go to those classes. And I would spend most of my time in the art studio doing art projects. So I, I, I did attend some classes. German I never went to. Uh-huh. Um, I think and- I sent it for German twice, and I think I only attended like maybe one or two classes. And how could you not go to class and not be panic stricken all the time? That's like I have nightmares <laughs> about like forgetting that you signed up for a class and that you you were like, oh shit, I I registered for this class and I haven't <laughs> been all semester. I don't know how you could function with just not going to a class. It would just drive me absolutely nuts. It was it was I was part of the generation of apathy, Dave. You know, okay. It it college to me, like I said, was a social thing. It wasn't for bettering right. my, my my later life. To me, it was just yeah. you know a way to uh, meet people and yeah. You know, it, it, I, I had uh, no okay. Well, you, I had no end when game. it came. You had no end game. Okay, right. So, at, from your perspective, uh, graduating or a diploma was was inconsequential to anything else. It it would happen eventually. That's the way I would tell it, you know. <laughs> Somehow you'd fall into it, okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, I figured after so many years, they maybe just give it to me to get the hell, you know, just leave. Just <laughs> right. Take this paper and, and, and get the hell off our property, place. So I started going towards history and then changed my major to secondary education. Oh, okay. For history. Uh-huh. And then noticed that I was really excelling very well in all my English courses. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, maybe I should teach English. So, down the line, this is after you guys had all bailed. Um, down the line, I actually started doing some student teaching, and my sponsor, whatever, whatever she's called, um, at, I was at um, Ryder High School. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she told me straight up, she's like, "You're you're not going to succeed as a teacher," and I was like, <laughs> "Okay." I was like, why? She goes, because you have a real issue with authority. You're yeah. one of these that want to come in here and change the curriculum, change everything up. You want to rock everything, and that's uh, not going to happen. She's yeah. like, if you, want, if you want tenure, if you want a job, you got to play their game. You got to teach what they want you to teach. You got to stick to this curriculum, no matter whether you like it or not. She goes, mm-hmm. why, don't, why don't you reevaluate what you want to do with your life? 
because uh-huh. you're going to end up getting a job teaching and you're going to last one year and they're going to either fire you or you're going to be so frustrated you're going to quit. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. So by that time, um, I was playing in a couple of bands mm-hmm. and the drummer that I was playing with briefly in Wichita Falls. He moved up to Wichita Falls to play with me there and figured out it was Wichita Falls, so immediately moved back. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Called me up, and he's like, hey, I got this band going on. We need another guitarist. Are you interested? I'm like, huh, gee, let me think. Sure. So mm-hmm. I uh, moved down to Dallas. Second time I moved down to Dallas. First time I moved down, I think it was when you guys all decided to move back. Okay. Yeah, I stayed at Joel Boltinghouse's um, house for a little while. Probably okay. a lot longer than I should have. <laughs> very, 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 very nice family. Um, His parents are very forgiving. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, came back down here, played with them for a while, had minimal marginal success. You know, we, we played a lot. And kind of t- decided, well, I'm going to take about a year off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was maybe 20 years ago. What was what was the band that you were playing in that had marginal success, that kept, that played quite minimal. a bit? Minimal. <laughs> minimal success. What was that uh, band? It started off as Sandbox, and then I think it evolved into the Grain Elevators. And, good name. Uh, huh? I said good name. <laughs> I never liked either one of them, but wasn't my choice. Um, I mean, we, we, we did quite a bit. Uh, nothing mm-hmm. huge. We, we were the band that opened for the band kind of situation. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, Better Than Ezra, we opened for them. Uh, oh, nice. We, I learned a lot about people. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. Um, once, you know, one, once I got a little bit older and kind of realized that you know, wasn't going to be a rock star. I took it a lot less seriously, you know, so it was more fun than anything else. And that was what, what year you say? You said that was the nineties for Norm. Yeah. The nineties, the nineties for Norm. Yeah. And that, those were the years where I think I was just kind of like touch and go in touch with you. Like we run into each other every now and then, uh, yeah, something like that. Um, hear about each other through other people again, pre social media days. Um, yeah. And I and I knew you were in and around the Metroplex area. Um, now, when did you latch on to the uh, condom store gig? Uh, you're gonna go there, huh? Okay. Well, okay. Sure, why not? Okay. I don't. Yeah. What the hell? I made a career out of it, pretty much. During my musical jaunt, um, mm-hmm. I got a job there through a friend of a friend uh-huh. on the, at the Greenville and Lovers store. Yep. Um, a year after it opened. They opened in March 1992. I started in October 1993. So okay. I was there. I was driving a school bus. and okay. I, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was I rem- working at Starbucks. Are you doing so, all three at the same time? Yeah. Wow, what a trifecta. Let me just savor this for a minute. Working at a condom store, uh-huh. driving a school bus, uh-huh. and working at Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, All three pay, uh, part-time checks. Yeah, I would, I would, I would uh, drive the school bus in the morning. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, no, actually, I would work from Starbucks from 4.30 until 1.30. And then I would drive the school bus in the afternoon from 2.30 until 4.30, 5 o'clock. And then I would yeah. go work at Condoms to Go from like 6 until close. Okay. Now, I wasn't working there every day. I mean, it wasn't like seven days a week uh-huh. I'm doing this. Um, right. But, but it was, it was you know, kept me out of trouble. Kept my nose clean. Well, now, at that time... Starbucks was pretty new in in the Metroplex. Yeah, where I was that working, there was only three stores in Plano. My question is, because like, so you said that the condoms to go had just opened, and then the Starbucks had not been there very long. You could right. have chosen a career at Starbucks, and uh, you know, you might have been a millionaire by now. How come you didn't? <laughs> well, I did. How come you I mean, chose I, condoms over Starbucks? Okay, well, I'll tell you, Dave. Oh, what yeah. happened was I, I, I started working at Starbucks more and more. I quit working the bus, um, started, got into management at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I took a, a three-month hiatus um, from the condom shop mm-hmm. to focus my career on Starbucks, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my district manager was just an ass. I mean, straight up an ass. I mean – okay. His, he was very demanding, um, really had little to no sympathy for his managers about anything. Mm-hmm. And I rolled my knee. I was bringing the tills up to the front, and one of my baristas was putting up pastries, and she would set the, the pastry trays on the floor while I stepped oh, okay. on the pastry tray and twisted my knee and popped my knee out. out. Uh-huh. Uh, finished up my shift, went to the ER, yeah. and... Basically, the doctor told me that you need to stay off your leg. Okay. Mm-hmm. I informed my district manager, and he's like, "Well, that's kind of a career-making decision, yeah, going on right there, Norm. Because you can either work your store, or I'll find somebody that will." Wow. Yeah. Now, hindsight, I should mm-hmm. complain to HR or something, right? But exactly, I, so, I should have gone up the chain. Yeah, but I was so worried about losing this gig, I actually duct taped the brace to my knee to keep my knee uh-huh. bending. Oh and I God. would lean I would <laughs> lean on a stool behind the um, espresso machine to make drinks. Uh-huh. Because I did not wow. want to lose the job. Wow. That's one thing my dad taught me is you're only as good as, you know, the the, the effort you give re- referring to work, you know. Mm-hmm. He was a very he was a proletariat type, you know. Yeah. So that's one thing. All he right. Did. So go ahead. That's you know I I I, I respect the uh, commitment and the sacrifice, but I do think it's totally uh, a bogus um, position they put you in. So how did this play out? Well, um, you're there suffering with a with a bum knee, trying to make people's uh, soy chai lattes, and, oh, and then what happened? Soy. We didn't have soy then. I, I know this is before then, before things got wimpified. <laughs> hey, I, I'm lactose intolerant, so I enjoy the soy. Thank you. What happened was I, uh, I took a vacation, went to Chicago, and I worked up there. So I jumped behind the counter and started making drinks. Now, once I got behind the counter, I turned on the, the stereotypical Texas slang, the, the, the you know, the, uh, the charm. Well, you know, just started talking like this, you know, and I got Ronde no fat latte on the bar, you know, just stuff like that. Oh my God, people yeah. ate shit up, ate it up. Mm-hmm. 
Loved it. So she starts talking to me about transferring up there. I'm uh-huh. like, I could probably do this. This would be awesome, right? So yeah. <laughs> I go back. Uh, I worked pretty much a full shift there, um, mm-hmm. like for the week. Um, as the lovable Texan, like the guest star, the, guest the, appearance. The, 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 and and Norm as the lovable Texas barista. Yeah, yeah. Picture that, if you will, uh, buddy. <laughs> um, I, I poured on the sappy southern charm as, as, as thick as you could possibly make Ron mm-hmm. White look like, you know, he's from the inner city. Uh-huh. Uh, so get back to Dallas, get a hold of my DM and say, hey, I got this offer from Chicago, blah, 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 blah. He goes, well, let me think about whether or not I want to let you go. Mm-hmm. And I thought, let you think about whether you're going to let me go? You don't right. own me, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm transferring up there. He uh-huh. goes, well, I don't really way to take over your store right now, so that would be doing me a disservice if you were to leave. Uh-huh. I'm thinking to myself, what the hell, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm just, you know, I feel like I'm being, you know, owned. So mm-hmm. out of the blue, Sarah Lee calls me. She's the owner of the condom stores. And okay. we had two stores by this time. We had one in Dallas, one in Carrollton. Mm-hmm. She said, hey, I want to take you to dinner. I want to talk to you about something. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm always free, you know, down for a free dinner. Sure. So we sit down at this Chinese restaurant, Kathy's Walk, I'll always remember. Mm-hmm. And she asked me, well, she proposed, she goes, look, I, I plan on opening two more stores this year. Would you like to manage one of them? I'm like, well, it depends on what you would offer pay-wise. And she said, well, I'll, I'll match what you're making now plus 10%. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, heck yeah, I'll do it. So she asked me, what do managers do for Starbucks? So I filled her in on everything that a manager's responsibility was for Starbucks. And she goes, yeah. my managers aren't doing a damn thing. She goes, I do everything <laughs> yeah. for them. I said, uh-huh. that's kind of your fault. You know, you set them up for that. Mm-hmm. So she goes, well, what if you oversee all of my stores? I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, all right. So mm-hmm. I go back, and we had a corporate meeting at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And there was me and another guy, James Lumpkin. I'll always remember this. We were talking, both of us were talking about quitting. We were so frustrated mm-hmm. and just sick of this place, right? We're both like, we're like, and I'm like, no, 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 just stick it out. Stick it out, James. Stick it out because I wanted to be the first guy. You know, I wanted to be the one that The first that guy to quit? Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're encouraging him to stay just so that you can quit first? I know, dick move, but again, it's me. You're, you're so, a cutthroat capitalist, with- Norm. <laughs> don't ever say that to me again um so after the meeting i pulled mike aside and i said look i need to talk to you about something right now he goes well you know i've, I've, I've given a lot of thought about your transfer to chicago and he goes why don't you give me about a year i said no i don't think so i handed him two weeks notice mm-hmm. and he got so angry he said you know what i don't need this you're fired i went mm-hmm. oh okay cool so i got severance package because he fired me for no reason. Yeah. I got all uh-huh. the vacation time. I got like all this money coming in. My, my, my quarterly bonus. I got all that yeah. right at the end of the quarter. All this money was coming in. So I drove home, called my new boss, Sarah Lee. I'm like, hey, I just got fired. When do you want me to start? And she's like, meet me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I met up with her. Again, we just had two stores. We had one in Carrollton, one in Dallas. 
and she's planning on opening up two stores almost back to back, right? This was, let me see, I got canned in April. So this was April of 2000. Okay. Um, she goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to open these stores. This is what you need to learn. She hands me these two big file folders of stuff I have to learn about opening stores. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, okay. it's got like, you know, um, vendor information. It's got uh, contractor information. It's got electrical information. It's got the city's information, all this stuff, what right. I could do, yeah. green tags, red tag, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go home and read it. And she goes, okay, cool. So, well, she didn't say, okay, cool. She said, that, that sounds good. So, by the end of the week, I get back with her and said, okay, I read everything. What, what would you like for me to do? She goes, okay, I need you to contact contractors because here are the spaces that we're renting. Oh, by the way, I'm about to take a six-week cruise to South America. So, uh-huh. go ahead and handle this for me. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. So... Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully these were contractors she'd worked with in the past because they were yeah. basically, they just, they needed no supervision really. Right. <clears throat> so we got all the product in. I had to hire all these people. I stole a lot of people from Starbucks that were frustrated. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Again, another cutthroat capitalist move, but very, very good. Well, yeah. So mm-hmm. we get the two stores open. We're going good. We have four stores now. So mm-hmm. eventually... Her plan was 20 stores by 2020. We oh, are okay. at, we're at 19 right now. Really? Wow, you're right on track. Yeah, and we will have That's our, awesome. We will have our 20th location probably end of June, early July. Wow. Okay. Well, that that's a good business story, especially in this day of brick and mortar versus online. Well, that's um, what's terrifying well, me right now. Um, well, how come? Why, why are people still buying condoms at stores? Well, I, first of all, what's your biggest seller? Is it condoms or is it other items? Well, we sell, uh, you know, we sell the vibrators, we sell the dildos, we sell lingerie, we sell bachelorette party supplies, we sell the rings, we sell everything you can basically think of, with the exception yep. we don't do porn. Um, we don't okay. have we don't have any of that. It's we're, we classify ourselves as a uh, as a adult novelty retail. We're not. Okay. We're not a sexually oriented business. Right. Uh, that way, we can open in the suburbs. Our top seller right now. I mean, we don't. We mm-hmm. really don't even sell condoms that much anymore. To be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, we only have three stores left that are called Condoms to Go. Uh, oh, okay. Back in 2006, we changed the name to Sarah's Secret. Sarah is the, okay. the company. Uh, yep. Simply because it, a lot of people, a lot more of the suburban people didn't find that as offensive. Yeah. Um, sadly, once we started opening our stores, we found out there was a cooking show called Sarah's Secret. Okay. So we had a lot of uh, moms and uh, elderly women coming into our shop mm-hmm. to uh, purchase various cooking utensils. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun at first. Yeah. Uh, we, we did get a lot of clientele from that because they were like, oh, well, I didn't know that was this, but let's go ahead and see well- and look anyway. Yeah, while I'm here, I've got another dish I want to whip up. There you go. I need, I need, I need some, kind of, some, some, some other cooking oils is what I need. Mm-hmm. Some special cooking oils. Um, so the, uh, 
you know, the protests died down. We opened Carrollton. We had a lot of protesters. We had a lot of people coming in telling us, you know, telling me uh, I was going to burn in hell and, you know, I'm, I'm an abomination wow. and, and, you know, that I'm, I'm bringing crime to the city and all this other stuff. I'm like, wow. well, no, not really. I'm bringing yeah. protection and stuff yeah. like that. But wow, yeah, I mean, that's it's interesting. Just, okay. It's, it's a very successful, I mean, it but was But you were great. about to say, you were about to say the biggest seller right now. I don't think you told me what is oh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. The biggest seller right now would probably be the herbal uh, male enhancement pills. Oh. Yeah. Are those effective? Is, they are. Basically, all it is, um, it, it, it just it's, it, it increases your libido. It increases your energy level. Um, I actually mm-hmm. sell it to a lot of men that um, take it right before they go work out at the gym. You know, it's, oh, not, yeah. it's not a boner pill like Viagra. Mm-hmm. It's just beto enhancer. Interesting. Okay. Well, let me. All right. I'm, I'm interested f- from the business point of view right now, because uh-huh. I would think that as soon. I mean, you already had like mail order things like Adam and Eve, which I worked at for a while. I think you. Oh knew yeah, that. that's right. Uh, yeah. Um. And and then especially once there's like Amazon and and all this e-commerce is really burgeoning. Why do you think people are still wanting to go into a shop to buy uh, adult novelties? instead of getting them uh, anonymously online or, you know. Well, a lot of times what people are finding out when they order online is they don't get exactly what they're ordering. Uh, okay. There's not the instant gratification okay. of, of getting it right then and there. You know, if, if you want a toy, you, you don't want to wait a couple of days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You want to okay. get it home, try it out, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, we still have the people coming in and go, well, I can get this online for blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's fine and good. But what you're going to find is online, they don't honor a lot of the, the uh, warranties. Oh. They don't have the, you know, they don't tell you how to, the, this product works. You don't have the personal um, service. I mean, we, we have a very, well, we have, an, we have an extensive training. I mean, every employee yeah. we have knows the product. You know, either by use or by reading the manuals. I mean, we, mm-hmm. I kind of took that philosophy. I took a lot of stuff from Starbucks. I'll probably get sued for this. Um, uh, that you know, you can you can stand behind the counter and serve some of my black coffee. You know, or you can stand mm-hmm. behind the counter and serve you know grab just the closest pack of condoms to them. Mm-hmm. But maybe they're you know a lot of our condom sales are people that haven't purchased condoms you know in years and they're recently divorced uh-huh. they don't know there's different kinds you know they they just remember the old plastic baggy feeling ones you know uh huh um there's there's a lot to be known you know and and you know when it comes to things like lubricants and things like that there's silicone there's water based there's gels I mean there's there's just so much you know you can read about it all day online if you want but once you receive it at home. What if it doesn't work? What are you gonna do? We always test them right. before they the store. I mean, there's there's different hands-on things we offer mm-hmm. that online. Now, my biggest concern is <clears throat> with the wave of how everything's going from shopping to food service. Mm-hmm. We'll probably start losing a big percentage of money to these people because a lot of people really don't care that. You know, well, I got it. It's a piece of crap, but I only paid so much for it. You know what I mean? Uh huh. <clears throat> so they'll sort order of a, on a disposable mindset. Yeah, I mean that's what it our doesn't stuff cost much. Become. Everything's everything's just a, a throwaway. Everything's a throwaway. Yeah. You know, so that, that is a concern of ours. 
but right now you're still the income's good. You're still planning on opening another store, and you're and and Sarah's gonna have her meet her goal of twenty stores by twenty twenty. Oh, by far, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you're still running all the stores. Are yeah. You like the, wow. And the the my new title is the senior regional manager, whatever that means. <laughs> wow. How many people you have uh, working under you? Eighty three. Wow. You're yeah. the boss, man. <laughs> you are the, you are the boss. You this guy with with the authority with the uh, problem with the with authority is now the the authority. Yeah, you don't think I have a conflict with that on a daily basis? I mean, yeah. what's what's really scary and sad is a lot of the policies and procedures of the company I created. Uh huh. You know, <clears throat> so when it when somebody comes at me and says, "Well, you know, this this is a stupid policy and procedure," do I take it you know personally? Or, yeah. <laughs> or do I just go? Yeah, you're right. It is. You know, try to <laughs> try to smooth them that way. It's it's kind of funny because um, not only just success, you know, just commercially, but acceptance-wise. I mean, um, it's it got me to where I uh, I did some uh, in-school lecturing about proper you know con application as well as STDs. Oh wow. Um, I've started working with uh, about God, almost 15 years ago uh, a local AIDS charity mm-hmm. to the company that they were called AIDS Arms uh, they're now called Spectrum but mm-hmm. they help um, educate and and um, help people uh, you know with hospice situations you know uh, mm-hmm. families when, when it's gotten down to that point so I mean it, it's it's had its perks and benefits too we also do work with churches with uh, um, count couples groups in churches that oh, yeah. you know they'll they'll bring their, yeah they'll bring their group over to our store you know we'll we'll have the managers talk to the the, the group and you uh-huh. know show them things to spice up their 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 love life if you will to kind of keep the romance alive and I mean we're, we're not looked down on anymore. I think a lot of it had to do with the name change, you know. Uh, but we're, you know, we're almost sad to say, but we're almost as looked upon like Seven Elevens. Oh yeah, there's a condoms. Yeah, you know, there's oh yeah, there's a service. Right. You know, there's no there's no shock value left anymore. I guess. Wow. Well, that's I'm impressed. I really am. And well, tell me. How much resistance, like in the early days, you were getting real protests. I mean, I think a lot of people might find that hard to believe that someone would go to the trouble to protest a condom store. Oh, we uh, um, when we opened the Carrollton location, um, we had one of the city council members take us to court. Really? Yeah. I mean, each each time we open a store, we we would meet with the city council, meet with the vice squad, meet with the police department, you know, make sure everybody's wow. cool with it. Because if they're not, wow. we open. Wow. Um, well, we we got okay. We got the green light in Carrollton. We opened the store. We started doing everything. Well, you know, people started protesting. People started complaining. I wouldn't say it was like you know, huge circles of people with signs out from our store, but there was there was a small amount of people that would stand by the side of the road and with you know, Bible scripture written on poster board, and uh-huh. they came they came in and started you know harassing the employees about you know damnation and. Things of that nature. Wow. So we started a petition to keep us in Carroll, and okay. the city council member decided he was gonna that that he was gonna choose us as his reelection springboard. 
Oh, okay. To, to clean. You were going to be the punching bag. The, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You were going to be the scapegoat. Interesting. And um, so he took us to court, and, uh, you know, I had to get up on the stand. And the one thing I asked my attorney was, you know, being an atheist, I was like, please don't make me spoil in the Bible because it's hypocrisy for me. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I don't know why we why yeah. we have to swear on the Bible. Right. So I was the only one of the employees that was willing to go to court and testify for the store. So we get up mm-hmm. there. He's you know he's he's trying to be that that you know really powerful you know uh, authoritative type. You know, Mister mm-hmm. Bowman, have you have you ever seen a pornographic video? And I'm like, yeah. You know, like I own some, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, "Well, do you know what a, a dildo is?" I'm like, and I'm tempted, very tempted, to say I'm looking uh-huh. at him, but I didn't. <laughs> I wish you had. I know. Oh my god, this this already sounds like a skit, or you know, like a, a King of the Hill episode, or or a or an Animal House skit or something, but okay, yeah, continue. So, Mr. Bowman, do you know what a dildo is? Yes, go yeah. ahead. So he's like, uh, do you consider yourself a sex expert? I'm like, no more than any other 20-year-old, you know? Like, I was maybe mid-20s at that time. Uh-huh. And he goes, uh, so you're telling me you, you, uh, you can, you're you you're some kind of expert in the field. I said, if you're trying to ask me if I know the difference between a condom and a dildo, yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much say I'm, I'm an expert at it. <laughs> right. And uh, he just looked at me, and I looked at him, and he's like, are you going to take this seriously? I went, are you? <laughs> yeah. And he just looked at me like, wow, you can't talk to me like that. And he goes, Your Honor, I, I, don't, I have no further questions for this man. And so I stepped down. Long story short, way too late. Um the same guy, I can't remember his name, it was something Romo, that um, it wasn't Tony, but it was something Romo, um, mm-hmm. that was using us as his springboard to get reelected. He got reelected, obviously. We stayed open. But uh-huh. about a year and a half or so later, he got busted funneling funds. Uh huh. So he was dirty. He yeah. was funneling he was, funds to what? Oh, I don't know. He was, he was misappropriating um, taxes or misappropriating. Uh-huh. You know, doing bad stuff with the the, the, yep. the citizens' monies. Uh-huh. So he got put out, and I don't know if he did cool. any jail time for it or not. But yeah, that was the guy that was prosecuting us. So wow, yeah. So we're still there. That was uh, we opened on April Fool's Day, nineteen ninety four, at that store in Carrollton. Yeah, interesting. Yep. Uh, okay. Well, I could I could go on and ask so many questions about that business, but I'm gonna. I am going to switch because I did want to talk to you about your atheism. Because oh. uh, I, I see on Facebook you're quite a vocal atheist. And you even go speak once a year to a, a religion class or some kind of college class. There, what, tell me about that. An old friend of mine from high school, uh, mm-hmm. Stephanie Toombs Ham, um, is a social, social work professor uh, at ACU, Abilene Christian University. And right. once a year, they have uh, various people of religions come in, Buddhists, uh, you know, uh, Baptists, Catholics, uh, Muslims, to, to speak to their class. Because when you're in the social work field, you're going to meet all types of people, um, exactly. pagans, et cetera, et cetera. 
So for the past, I think, three years, four years, I've been going as a representative for the the, the atheists, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, <laughs> I'm usually given an hour to talk about it, but I end up going about two to three hours. Okay. Um, just because, you know, once once I get past the stereotypes of atheists, um, you know, there, there's a, a lot of people kind of wonder, okay, why are you this way? And, they, and I, I just told them straight up, I'm an open book. You can ask me anything you want to ask me about it. Right. I'm not going to lie about it. So that's what I do at least once a year. Okay. And now tell me, these are college students that are all mm-hmm. basically Church of Christ uh, students, um, I would assume, if they're going to ACU. Um, what What is it like? What is What are the first questions? <clears throat> uh, just kind of give me a sense of what kind of things are on their minds and uh, where, how where do you blow their minds. Where do you get your morality from? That's always the where question. Do you where do you get from? your morality from? Okay. Right. Um, that's always usually the first or second question I get asked. Um, okay. you know, were your parents atheists? Um, what did your parents think when you told them that you were an atheist? Um, mm-hmm. do, do, you know, do, do people treat you differently because you're an atheist? Um, and they do. I mean, once somebody finds out, you know, most times in today's society, people are pretty cool with it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a phase. I'm, I'm 52, so it's not a phase. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not anytime soon um but yeah it's just you know most people that have such a gross misunderstanding of what an atheist of course then again you know you only see like the militant atheists in the news you know mm-hmm. yeah you, you don't see the everyday atheists and it's the same with any religion as well you know right uh you, you always see the the jeffers of the uh you know the the uh the, the the imams that are preaching, you know, Sharia law, but you never see the 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 you know the the Muslim guy that lives three houses down from me, who's a very nice guy and just wants right. his family in a nice suburban area, and you know, mm-hmm. you, you never. Of course, the boring boring people don't get on the news. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's 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 an interesting kind of to 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 open people's eyes and and perception of what an atheist is. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I've calmed down a lot with my mm-hmm. theism. Um, not as, I guess, militant as I used to be. Um, well, when were you? When did you decide that you were an atheist? Oh, I was like nine years old. Okay. Yeah. Then when were you militant, and how were you militant? <sighs> I would. I was very anti-church, anti-religion, anti, you know, I didn't want it anywhere, and, you know, it, mm-hmm. when I saw churches, I would get angry about it, when I, you know, then they had, like, the Sunday morning services on broadcast television, and I'd yeah. you know, get all pissed off about that, and, you know, mm-hmm. just, just all the stupid little things, and then, you know, one day it dawned on me, well, you know, you're living in a society that's pretty much 96%, 95% of some type of religion, you're gonna have to dial it back, you know. Yep. You're, you're gonna stroke out over something. But else. I know, I know that. So, but most of that probably just was was kind of your vocal complaining. But did you do anything else? Did you confront people, or did you um, uh, did you firebomb any churches? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was in my uh, when I was in that death metal band out of Norway, we used to yeah. uh, 
We used to travel around the world and firebomb churches. No, I, right. I never did that. Um, I, I, I would confront the uh, the abortion protesters quite a bit. Yeah. Um, just on, on a morality issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and people, you know, would, would ask me what church I'd go to. I'd, I'd always kind of scoff, you know. Yeah. But as time got, I just know how to dodge bullets now, I guess. Right. Um, Be more diplomatic about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, there's people out there that get all offended because, you know, there's, you know, crosses on the side of the highway where people died. You know, mm-hmm. let them have it. It's, you know, it's not it's right. not hurting you. Yeah. You know, it's really not. You know, if you want, in all honesty, and I used to hate the fact that, you know, City Hall or, or you know, they would put the, the manger scene. You know, my tax uh-huh. dollar, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Ninety percent of the taxpayers are Christians, so mm-hmm. you know it, it. It didn't hurt me in any way, shape, right. to see this. You know mm-hmm. this European Jesus. Yeah, you know, right. The white Jesus. The white, the, the white baby Jesus in the manger. Because yeah, I mean it's it's they're they're if they find comfort in it, comfort in it, and and it's not being forced on me or my children, I'm okay with it. Now. Mm-hmm. Still stand up against is the fact that you know we're we're trying to push this lack of better term a Christian Sharia law where you know they they want to mandate prayer in school again and they want to you know like have all the the Ten Commandments posted and right when you walk into the the front of the school and yeah we don't have time for that I mean these kids at school have a limited amount of time that they get to do anything and they're there to learn. You know, yeah. And the thing is, I mean, you know, all these people are talking about the war on Christmas. There's not a war on Christmas. That's a great way to sell stuff. Yeah, you of know? course not. But, but you know, the, since my kids have been in this school, I've seen teachers in their in their rooms with you know crosses on their by their desk or a little scripture here and there. Yeah. So it's there. There. You, mm-hmm. you know, as long as they're not forcing my kids into it. Right. That's fine. You know, if you want to, well, this how you want to live, and you're not imposing your beliefs onto them. Of course. Well, let me ask you this: because uh, is your wife religious? She is not. She's more of an agnostic. Um, okay. That's yeah. That's, that, that was one of the first discussions we had when we got together. Um, and and so I, you've I, raised your children just to let them uh, decide for themselves. Yeah, or, I mean this this uh, is my journey. This you know this this atheism thing that I'm on. This whole you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, my belief structure or lack thereof is mine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they're both. They lean more towards science. Mm-hmm. You know, but they still have that you know interest in it and and belief that there's possibly a creator things of that nature i've mm-hmm. never shunned them i've never told them they can't go to church i've never told them they can't right. read the bible i've never told them that at all uh, yeah. matter of fact when my daughter was younger she asked why we didn't go to church and i said hey if you ever want to go to church we can go you know mm-hmm. uh, so just let me know I said, or else i'll take you to your grandma's house she can take you which they they had gone to you know uh church with my grand uh my mother-in-law Mm-hmm. I think it was more for the food because they would always cook right after. Yeah. But of course, yeah. <laughs> but once my daughter found out that yeah, church started really early on a Sunday morning, she was out. She was like, eh, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. Thanks." 
So I'm no, I'm not going to force what I believe or what I don't believe onto my children. I'm, I'm going to raise them to think themselves, which I'm hopefully I've done so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to question everything, but find an answer to the question. Just don't leave the question hanging. Right. Cool. Got it. That's <laughs> what I kind of thought, but I wanted to hear it from you. Um, all right, now let's get to the uh, the real fun stuff, because I can also, you know. A lot of the reason I do this is because I have these, you know, social media relationships with people, but I don't necessarily know, you, you know, that's, you just see one side of people that way. And oh, yeah. you kind yeah. of, you get the, you get the feeling that you know what's up with someone, but you don't, but it's very superficial. But I see constantly from you, your frustration and your anger with the current political environment in the United States. And... Uh, and just you for seem the record, to be maybe, uh-huh. this started with Obama. I, okay. I voted for Obama the first, the first time around. I did not vote mm-hmm. for him the second time around. He was too much of a middle of the road. He was not the left-leaning liberal I was hoping he would be. There's a lot of well, things I did not like about Obama. So, Okay. Well, here th- this is what I want to hear because I okay. I, I know a lot of people are are really stressed, at the, to say the very least. I feel I feel a lot of frustration from people of all kind of walks of life, of the way things are in the U.S. right now. Um, and you mm-hmm. seem to be, you don't seem to hold back. You feel, you've uh, really expressed yourself online. But I just wanted to let you go. Okay, start from scratch. This is Norm, Eugene, Eugene Norm Bowman's uh, manifesto. Go. On the current political? Yeah, just like, ha- what is it, what's your beef? What's... <laughs> My Tell me, what do you that we become such a, 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 a hypocritical society that we're too mm-hmm. lazy to really take the time to look at who's running for what office. You know, mm-hmm. with with the amount of information we have at our disposal in our pockets, you can't take 10, 15 minutes out of your day to look at a candidate that you might be interested in to see what this person actually stands for and then hold that person accountable and then take off your blinders. Okay. You voted for Trump. He's not working out. Let's be honest, okay? Quit mm-hmm. defending the guy. You know, he's the most immoral person prior to being elected. Right. Where? How can you possibly even consider him a Christian by any way, shape, or form? I mean, Larry Flint is more of a Christian than this guy. But yet you put these blinders on because you want to drain that swamp and you want to build that wall and you want to make your miserable life better because you believe that this is the guy that's going to do it. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about this country. He's never cared about this country. If he was such a stand-up guy, show his taxes. Yep, I'm a true American. Here's the taxes I paid. He doesn't do that. He keeps lying about everything and get off social media you're not a 15 year old schoolgirl. no offense yeah. schoolgirls. right no that's an you're insult to them they, ass uh, man act like a grown ass man take responsibility for your actions you know what you had an affair with a, a porn star while your wife was giving birth own it I would have yeah. more respect if you came out and said you know what I did do that because I'm an egomaniac <laughs> But I did this yeah. in my personal life. This has nothing mm-hmm. to do with my political life. Own it. 
own your mistakes, own your responsibilities, own up to it. If you want any kind of respect from anyone, this goes with any candidate, any candidate. Mm-hmm. I am so frustrated with Democrats as I am with Republicans because the yeah. Democrats have no fucking spine whatsoever. You know, the newsroom, I don't know if you ever saw that show, but the first scene of the first episode when he loses it and talks about how this yeah. is not the greatest country in the world anymore, I play that yeah, daily. Yeah. I'm not kidding. You- I play the clip daily because it keeps <laughs> me from losing it. Because more people need to stand up and say that. Mm-hmm. This is not my parents' country. This was not my grandparents' country. By far. We've yeah. been sold out. Sold out. And they're keeping us occupied with all these little shiny bells and whistles, the newest and best and latest and greatest. You know, I can watch an entire TV series on my phone while mm-hmm. people in Flint, Michigan are dying from fucking letting in water. Yeah. But hey, I helped out because I made a hashtag about it. Fuck off. Right. Fuck right off. Okay. See, you got me riled now. <laughs> Okay, good. This is what I wanted. I wanted the riled, riled norm. Um, do you get into actual arguments with people face to face? I have, yeah, I have. Who, I have. like, just strangers or family or friends or? Um, I. Uh, or what? It depends on you know. I mean, I'll let a lot of things go by, and you know, yeah. I'm not counting social media. I mean, I'll, I'll argue with people on social media all the time to the point where my wife's like, "Will you just stop?" I know. I, I see you. I see your comments on it, and um, I when I see it, I'm like more power to to you. Um, although I try to avoid that just because, um, in a way, it's kind of pointless. Um, it is. It is it's, it's incredibly pointless. It's incredibly pointless. I'm not going to change anyone's opinion. I'm not going to change right. anyone's mind about it. But I'll be. But sometimes it can feel good. And, and, and sit by the sidelines anymore and have these people right. spew such bullshit. Yeah. It does feel good bullshit. sometimes to just have someone call them on their bullshit. You know, you even if it's just uh, that's great. Good. If you can t- if you can prove to me my opinion's wrong, God bless you. I'll accept that. Mm-hmm. You know? If you can point out to me straight up, no, this you're misinformed. Here's how it really is. I'll look at it and I'll go, okay, cool. I was wrong. But these guys don't want to accept that. They don't want to say they're wrong. You know, we had the whole scandal with Al Franken. Al Franken stepped down before he was even formally accused. Yeah. You know, he's like, you know what? This is bad for the party. I'm out. Yeah. When Anthony Weiner was was screenshotting his weenie and sending it to people, he got called out on it. They, they shove him to the side. This guy openly admits to grabbing women by the pussy, mm-hmm. calls it a locker room talk, and still fucking gets elected. How can you sit there yeah. and call yourself a moral society? A moral society and, 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 and elect somebody like this. You know? And I'm not anti-Republican. If you, if you bring a Republican, I, I miss the old school Republicans. Jesus Christ, I miss George Bush. Uh-huh. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but um, no, I do. Yeah. At least I knew where this guy was coming from. To a point, this guy is so chaotic in everything he yeah. does, and he's never wrong. He's never wrong, and you can't have a leader that will not admit fault. 
Yeah. You can't. Well, Everybody the, yeah, is involved. The chaos, I, I, I see the chaos bothering people like um, I just hung out with some sailors who were in Singapore. Uh, they had a couple of days off uh-huh. from the, uh, uh, they're on an aircraft carrier. And one of them is a friend of mine. I knew him since he was a child. Um, so I hung out with them and three or four of them. And I know that they're most likely all more conservative than me. We didn't get into any political conversations. You know, we kept everything fun um Uh but they all i could sense it they're all tired of the chaos and the um they you know they the the tweets it just makes them sick you know they just can't they just they want some normalcy you know they want some consistency and uh um some dignity from their commander-in-chief that's what we're missing you You don't i mean you can hate Obama all day, all night. That's fine, but, but at least the man had some dignity to him. You know, yeah. Bush. You know, I mean, he could at least. Well, he would at least uh, um, stand up and make nice in public. <laughs> yeah, he would. He would be diplomatic. You to know, a, he to a degree. Be, I mean, not as d- diplomatic as he should have been, but. Um, well, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But in comparison, I mean, he wasn't a nine. In comparison, yeah, everything is uh, relative. So, yeah, relatively, he um, was closer to what you would call the norms of uh, behavior. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? What I've heard, everything you say, a lot of the stuff you've been talking about, um, I think you're ready to run for office, man. I think you should yeah. go for a school school board or city council. When's that going to happen? Well, first of all, I'm an atheist, so that's not going to happen in Texas. Well, why not? Now's the now's the time, man. <laughs> now's, now's the time. No. Yeah, I mean, the, if um, you, did you, you happen to not that I'm plugging another episode, but did you happen to listen to the one with Jess Herbst? Yes. You know, the first uh, yes. transsexual yeah. mayor and pop. I, I mean, episodes, by the way. So. Well, I, thank I'm you very fan. much. I'm a fan. And you, um, you have a great face for radio. Ah, uh, thank you. Yes, I do. Um, I mean, if she can be uh, a mayor in Hope, Texas, a, in Hope, Texas, you know, and and not to make a pun, but transcend uh, that and <laughs> make it about the issues. You know, she she she's a mayor on the issues, and right. I think I mean I I think she's headed for higher office um, sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like something like a city council or you should at least be on the ticket and out there um, expanding people's minds. I've I've had quite a few people tell me to run. Um, run, Norm, run. Run, Norm, run. I just don't have enough you faith do. in our system, David. I don't. Well, I really you don't, don't have to. You you can. It doesn't. You don't have to fix everything all at once. No, I do. Like, I have to fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> just by That's running, you're, you're solving. Just by running, you'd be solving one problem. Which one problem is you've got dipshit candidates and people like running unopposed, and you've got no what choice. That? Yeah, that's another thing I don't understand. How can you have anyone run unopposed and then yeah, yet well, still spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars campaigning? Yeah. Well. That's what you should do. You should find some race, find some tiny race where there's somebody unopposed and run against them. And that could be your whole campaign. It's just like, do you think this dipshit should run unopposed? 
Vote for him if you want, but at least now you have a choice. Right. You may not. Norm like Bowman, the choice. Him. Yeah. The dip. The choice. The the anti dipshit or whatever. I think you should do it. Oh. You've got a track record. You've got you've got a business success. Um, you've got public speaking. Um, you've got negotiations with city council. You know, uh, for your stores. Um, the time is the time is right, man. I don't think they'd find any closet uh, skeletons in my closet because I'm pretty much an open book. Right, your closet is it, your skeletons are all in your living room. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, it's 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 been a consideration. I, I wouldn't run for school board. Uh, there's no way in that. Um, well, that one they probably still wouldn't. No. Go. For, they, the atheists would probably still. Preclude yeah. you from that just because of the the screwed up nature of uh, uh, school boards at this time. But you know, city council or whoever, whatever else is open. Uh, yeah. There's all those different county jobs and stuff like that um, that have elections. Those down ballot the com- things. The comptroller, which I, I'm not really sure what the hell that does, but you know. Yeah, it'd be the comptroller, man. That'd be a good job for you. <laughs> Now I'm going to have to go look up what all these damn jobs are and see which I'm going to run for. Great. Great. Wonderful. You can do it. You can get, I don't know. What does it pay? You can, get your, you can uh, pay your smart kids to look it up for you. There you go. <laughs> God, what the hell happened there? I, I swear I still need a DNA test on those two. <laughs> smart and athletic. And what? No. Not, not here. God. Well... You know, you won the you won the lottery, man. You I did. It. I am incredibly lucky with those two. Incredibly lucky. Yeah. Um, I remember a long time. I can't remember if it was you or Joel mm-hmm. that said uh, if I had kids, the only way they would be able to rebel against me is to vote Republican. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like they'd be straight A students and vote Republican, like Alex P. Keaton. Right. Well, they're straight A's, thankfully, but uh, they're 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 just as much the uh, the liberal mindset that I am. Very very vocal and, and very uh very very socially conscious. Both of them, they very, they really are. Oh, good. I'm really happy about that. So I mean, they they okay. they kind of have a, a better foresight. I mean, they both know what they want to do with for the rest of their lives. You know, I got oh, yeah. A, a, yeah, I got a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. Both of them already have a game plan of what they want to do for the rest of their lives. Wow. See, that that's I never had that. That's something that I can't relate to. What what do they want to do? My daughter wants to be a general surgeon. Okay. And Jackson wants to be an attorney. He wow. was gonna be, he was going to be an uh, uh, archaeologist. Uh-huh. Uh, but now he's he's gearing more towards law. He gets very he watches the news a lot with me, and he gets very upset about social injustices. Wow. And yeah, so he, he's decided he wants to venture right. into Well, see, with, and with, support, with the support of those two, you got it, man. I'm, uh, what county do you live in? Kaufman County. I'm going to go online and look up Kaufman County and see what elected uh, positions are there. <laughs> and then we're going we're gonna to work on your campaign. Okay. Man, yeah, I, uh, God, when I was, when I was 16, I was like, you know, smoking a bowl trying to get laid. That was my big, my, my big thing, you know, that was, that was my, my objective. 
And now I see yeah. these kids. It's not, yeah. just, it's not just them. It's their friends, too. I mean, they're friends. I know. I th- that's a trend of they some I, I guess that's that's just a positive trend of the um, one positive trend of the society is that kids are becoming more aware of that sort of life choices earlier. And it's, it's like this um, this movement of intellectualism that is, has taken this this um, generation. You know, I mean, we 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 lived thank under. God. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we if, starting around the Reagan era, we just went this totally anti-intellectual movement. You know. Mm-hmm. Where, if you were smart, you were made fun of. You know, if you weren't yeah. athletic, you were made fun of. If you, if you look at all the movies in the, you know, the eighties, they were all dumb. You know, sex romp. You know, just, just nothing. Well, there smart, were those. You know, but there were there were smart was movies that? in the eighties and good stuff. But um, there were, but, they were, but like, I know what you. I know what were, you're talking about. They made three Porkies for Christ's sake. <laughs> right, the Porky's. That was exactly the you know, film how many, franchise how many I was thinking of. Academy movies did they make? So you know, don't sit there and tell me that that was an era of intellectual film because it really wasn't. You know, I mean, well, we had, I think there were better movies then than there are now. As far now, it's all just uh, Marvel Universe, right? That's the true. Main. And I can't, you know, I I can't complain. I'm a junkie. I am. Okay. I, I am a Marvel nerd, which is funny because my my favorite is Batman. But mm-hmm. the DC franchises just suck ass. So, yeah, we're not going to get into okay, that. Okay, well, I don't want to go down that rabbit <laughs> hole because I know that would probably be like another two or three hours. And uh, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But this maybe whole we Star can do that some thing. other Let time. Me, oh yeah. Oh my god. And and Star Wars comes up has come up in practically every conversation I've had, and I don't even I don't want to talk about Star Wars right now either. Um, there I'm was something wait, else. I just I was... want to see. I just want to know when the the Star Wars story Chewbacca comes up. I just, that one. That's the one I want to see. You're right. His, yeah, his own yeah. movie. Yeah, if, if Han can get one <laughs> for ninety minutes. Now I know they had the Christmas special, but we don't talk yeah. about that. Right. We don't talk about the Christmas special. I watched the Christmas special on broadcast <sighs> that year. I, I was, and I think I didn't want to do this. I don't want to talk about Star Wars. Okay, there was something else. Okay, it was about. Oh, I know. There's one more thing that we should mention, I guess, which is the norming. And by the way, so nor- norming is finding a abandoned piece of furniture and sitting in it and having your picture taken. How's your norming going? I have not normed since uh, 2016. Really? Why aren't you norming anymore? I just, uh, it was just a thing. It was just, you know, it was there. It was a, a momentary thing. And uh, Have you closed the book on norming? Have you closed? I've, is that a chapter? Closed, yeah, uh, the chapter's closed. I think I did. I don't know. Sure, how many photos? Um, enough, you know. I still see, and I, and I, I still debate. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll see some uh, nice-looking furniture sitting on the side of the road, and I'll I'll contemplate. And I've I've turned it back around a couple of times to to sit in front of it and, and ponder if I should. But it just I don't know. Well, it got too commercial. Um, <laughs> You didn't want to sell out. That's right. Yeah, well, I started well, having um, people. Had some friends that started it, and I was hoping it would like you know this whole wave, you know, and start mm-hmm. nationwide, and it didn't. So, well, Watch, I think like, you've, you've left a, left behind a good you've left behind a good body of work when it comes to norming, and uh, I'll put links to the blog I wrote about you, which has some good photos oh, well, of thank your you. your norming. Um, 
And, it, it, and it, of course, it, it's called norming because you're norm. Go right. Ahead. Right. And if you, if you do this, and I hope you do, whoever's listening, all three of you, um, when you do this, you have to have it casual. You have to not be forced, not be tense. You have to just casually sit in the chair and okay. set the timer on your phone, take the picture, and then make sure you wipe yourself down really well because there's always a chance of bed bugs. Yeah. <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. You can't believe how much that drove my wife insane, me doing that, because she just knew I was going to bring home like an infestation of bed bugs. And yeah, you know. that that would be bad. But it never happened. Uh, it never happened. Well, good. She's a warrior. She likes to worry. Right she now. worries, so you don't have to. That's it. that's exactly it. That's exactly mm -hmm. it. She takes all the worry out of me. Mm -hmm. It's where I become aloof. <laughs> Well, you're a lucky man, Norm Bowman. I think I am. I believe I am, sir. Thank you. And I'm glad you're still in my life in some way, in some capacity. Likewise. I really am. I really am. Um, I'm not an easy man to get along with. I fight with myself constantly. <laughs> What's that? You're your, you're your own worst enemy, that's I all. I am. I am my biggest enemy. Well, good thing, you, good thing you're not athletic or you would have knocked yourself out by now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure my doctor says that a lot too. Yeah, it's good that you're not athletic. You know? uh, that reminds me, I need to make an appointment to go see that guy. Damn it. Well, cool. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, you go to the doctor, um, and then I'll be looking forward to your campaign, and uh, we'll follow up when you're when you're, when you're comptroller of Kaufman Camp well, County. The comptroller of Kaufman County. I think that was a Glenn Campbell song, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Dude. That it's got to be a country song. All right, man. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, talk to you later. Take care. Bye. Someone Else's Memories by Revolution Void and Calm the Fuck Down by Broke for Free are used under a Creative Commons attribution license. <laughs> <laughs>